there's there's a question that uh, that I've heard a number of times in in today's society, and you know, um, you know, some one of the biggest social issues of the day is everything dealing with LGBT stuff, and I think we've we've all heard the question, maybe asked the question of uh, of do gay people go to heaven? Right. Yeah. And it's it's a valid question. There's, it, it's 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 worth discussing. Um, that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> it it does bring up the question though about about forgiveness and what mm. can or cannot be forgiven. If you're if you've been a Christian for a while, you you know of the unforgivable sin or the so-called unforgivable sin. The question is, what is it? And is the unforgivable sin unforgivable, or have we just been mislabeling this thing the whole time? Welcome to the podcast. You've got the dummies, Ben and JJ, coming at you with wisdom from the Bible and beyond. This is Dummies with Wisdom. So the unforgivable sin, it comes from, from Matthew 12, and it's uh, Jesus um, is, uh, is, is talking to the Pharisees, um, Pharisees saying that he, is, he has the power of Satan, and yeah. Jesus says that makes no logical sense, because how can Satan cast out Satan? But at the end of that, of that section there in Matthew 12, uh, it's verses uh, 31 and 32, uh, it says, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. And uh, I mean, this is not a this is not a, a theology podcast. We're not going to go into the Greek and everything. Um, there's there's a lot of debate about what this is. Uh, it is I mean. It's it is it's a hard thing to understand, and uh, quite honestly, we don't really know exactly if we understand it or not. And we not mean we us, we meaning Christianity. Uh, yeah. Um. So so what what have you always understood, or what do you understand? I guess that that to all mean. I think this is like growing up. One thing that it was like one of those things that I obviously didn't really realize growing up. Um, like the. Uh, not, what's the word like the how unsure everyone was about this specific topic it was kind of avoided and whenever it was talked about um it would just start people just start picking up verse, verses and stuff and then it'd become a huge topic and they just move on um yeah and i remember i think it was in high school and i was like my parents had a big bible study group over um and me and my buddies like the other kids from the group were just we came upstairs real quick and I remember like overhearing them like debate between them all and I don't know why I remember it so vividly because I didn't even like dwell on it then but it was like after the fact I like remembered stuff from that conversation they're having and I was like I don't agree with any of that like at all like yeah. I don't even think it'd be in the slightest because they're all picking out like specific like themes and they're like oh well this wasn't like this doesn't sound like it was necessarily forgiven or um, you know this king did this thing or and they started picking out stuff 
Um, and honestly, I think the majority of things I've heard taught on the topic, I just, I just don't agree with. Um, my bet, my own personal best answer to it at this point is because, especially given the context, like he starts going, he talks about like every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the, whole, uh, the spirit will not be. And then anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And I've always thought about that. Anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit idea. And so, like, trying to go back and... Sorry, I'm getting a little, like, queepy on it. But, like, I think it's in John where um, he talks about, like, the Spirit is like the wind. Is that... You remember that one? I think it's John 3. And he's talking about how... um, like base, it's it follows right before John three sixteen, and he's talking well, about how the spirit. John 3. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't remember if it was like earlier in two or if it's three. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure it's three because he's talking to Nicodemus about how can you be saved, um, and basically he's talking about how like the wind comes and goes, and like that's the spirit, and like there's a lot of those type of like analogies for the Holy Spirit, and yeah. it's not necessarily in conjunction. Like obviously Jesus, like whether it's the Son of Man or Son of God, um, the light, like I'm just trying to think of like, you know, words for Jesus, those aren't always I've got your verse. Uh John three eight. Yeah. Uh, he, right after he says he must be born again. Uh he said Jesus says, uh, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but do you you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Right. So and then I think Toward the end, I think it's 17, 18, or 19. Or it could be all three that it talks about. I kind of want to say it's 18. It basically talks about how people are, like, people are naturally attracted to the darkness. And then I think the section finishes by basically saying those who are attracted to the light will be in the light or, you know, to that effect, basically. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. That's 19 through 20. So, and you you can disagree with this too, but like I took both those sections and I've seen this i feel like i've seen this theme a lot especially through the gospels the jesus as like whether he's being talked about or is talking about talks about the holy spirit separately right especially like in the instance that he comes down like a dove he's always talking to the father the spirit is going to come like the spirit is something that is like swiftly moving but then especially i like this verse specifically because it talks about how anything that's be spoken against the son of man will be forgiven. So I think that's where people get their all sins will be forgiven. Right. Yeah. So my bet, honestly, my best idea and how I picture it is the Holy spirit and his role is to invade our hearts. Right. Yeah. To blaspheme the Holy spirit in my mind is to either reject the Holy spirit or, um, anything else worse than that i guess like not just reject but completely like call yourself an enemy of it yeah but i would go i would go as far as to like reject the holy spirit which in my mind would be reject salvation because that's the role you could agree with it but the the role of the holy spirit is to basically 
what's what's the right word here because i feel like if saying it wrong would be definitely wrong um <laughs> that's profound like well there's, there's, there's those times that you can misspeak and you're like oh, i get your point i don't think there's if, if you say this wrong it's definitely wrong uh but like like the old testament the holy spirit comes and goes you know yeah. it's but that person specifically isn't saved if the holy spirit comes inside of you you are saved now we disagree on whether or not the whole, the holy spirit could stay that's a, but, that's a different uh that's a different discussion <laughs> so that could even fall into the blasphemy of the holy spirit too but i think from a bigger standpoint i personally see it as if you have blasphemed the holy spirit you essentially didn't accept the lord into your heart because at the end of the day yes they are three parts they are one god and so to reject the holy spirit is to reject jesus living inside of you and so that's the best that's the best i can come up with i'm not even super comfortable with that answer but i think it's the best that i can like actually defend you know I think you you had a great point with with bringing in John uh, John three there, talking about how you know we're already condemned and in First John uh, one nine it says that uh, if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and that's obviously not the only part in the Bible that talks about forgiveness you know all the book of Romans being justified by his blood there there's nothing in the Bible other than like this this passage here that talks about like what can and can't be forgiven. It's just this blanket statement of forgiveness and grace. Like it's just mm-hmm. no matter what, whether, whether you said something you shouldn't have, whether you killed 50 people, there's, there's no like qualification on what can be forgiven. Yeah. When you go in, when you, when you look at the whole Bible, the only thing, the only thing when, you know, taking not just this passage, when you look at the entire Bible and especially the new Testament, what is the one thing that is never forgiven? Those who don't ask for forgiveness, like yeah. you were saying. So does does that does that necessarily make sense with with the wording of of these couple of verses? You know, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And then it says either in this age or in the age to come, meaning the church age, the current age, or the age to come, meaning the other side of the second coming. You know, e- eternity. It, it's eternally not forgiven yeah and when you when you look at when you look at the entire new testament there's nothing to say that there is a sin that cannot be forgiven it's that our sin nature will not be forgiven if we don't have faith if we don't come and confess and repent and put our faith in christ it won't be forgiven not that Mm -hmm. it can't be forgiven Per, per se because nobody is too far gone but it won't be forgiven because you refuse to to ask for forgiveness and so does, does that make perfect sense of of this uh of, the, of this of these verses um no because there's a lot in there and that's why it's debated about but is the unforgivable sin unforgivable i mean for, y- yes because it says it so right. I mean, we we can't sit here and just say no. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I, I've I've talked to people, especially you know people call in on the on the prayer line that are like, I'm I'm afraid I've committed the unforgivable sin. I'm like, first off, I don't think you understand it. Second off, if you're concerned that you did, then you haven't, because if 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 there is something to be unforgivable, why would something you could accidentally do be it? 
Yeah, why? Yeah, why? Right. Why would we say that that you know Joe from South Dakota did something on Tuesday and he committed the unforgivable sin, and then say, well, Hitler could have been saved? Like we. That would make no sense. Why? Why would Hitler not have committed the unforgivable sin? I mean, Hitler was like the most evil person in modern times, arguably. So, to say to, if you are concerned about it, then you have not committed it. End of story. Right. I was just. I like what you said because I've also heard. Um, I just put like grieving the Holy Spirit in a Google. Hang on, real yeah. quick. Because uh, I've heard that also relate back, and they're like basically anything that falls in line with anything that says Holy Spirit and like not good things is basically like in the realm of unforgivable. Which I've heard a lot sure. of um, Armenians talk this way, of like this kind of wishy washy back and forth. Um, sure. Okay, so Ephesians four thirty, uh, that's the grieving of the Holy Spirit, and then there's also. 1029 that talks about our outraging the spirit of grace that's the, that's the one i was actually kind of thinking of. and then 1217 who found no place for repentance and so i think that's important the found no place for repentance i like that they put that in here um so what did you say you said you said that. oh another mm-hmm. another another point to make sorry while you're, no, you're fine while you're thinking um this is in the section where jesus is talking about he's talking to the pharisees who are that's what i was literally about to say that yeah who yep. the, and and they're first off they are speaking against the son of man and against the spirit because they said that he has the spirit of satan mm-hmm. so if 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 the unforgivable sin is unforgivable now again like let's let, let's let's take this from a lifelong rejection and you die rejecting versus i rejected it for 20 years if it's unforgivable, why would he bother telling this to the Pharisees? Like, no, nowhere in the Bible is, like, Jesus looking for a mic drop YouTube moment against the Pharisees. You know, he's not looking for a uh, Ben Shapiro taking on the libs kind of mentality. Like, his his point in talking to the Pharisees is to get them to turn. And, I mean, right. we, we think that Nicodemus did. So, I mean, like, for him to look at them and essentially say you know therefore i tell you because you committed this sin you will burn an eternal hellfire suck it out you know that would <laughs> that's not jesus yeah. um yeah. now so so i guess to to clarify that answer like is the unforgivable sin unforgivable if that's the end of the story yes but right in, in a sense everyone has committed the unforgivable sin it but at some point it, if, 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 if this interpretation is right and rejecting salvation is what's unforgivable, then is the unforgivable sin unforgivable only if you go to the grave rejecting salvation? And I think, like, so, like, that basically, the talking to the Pharisees was, like, my biggest point because that's where it's, it's talked about. Like, we don't see it anywhere else. Right. So, so for him to talk to the Pharisees, and if you talk, and that's where this Hebrews um, twelve seventeen comes up, and it talks about in relation to Esau, who found no place of repentance to not be like him. Whereas in relation, we're talking about when we're talking about outraging the spirit of grace and the grieving the Holy Spirit. All of those are followed by either right after or later on something of a um, like have confidence in your salvation or 
um, you're sealed for like the day of redemption. I think that's yeah. the Ephesians one. Um, but I think there's something to say about the hardening of your heart of the actual um, defiance toward what the spirit is doing. Right. right. Not necessarily what Jesus was doing physically, but what the spirit is doing and moving. Um, this one's completely out of left field because it just came to mind. What's the, isn't there a verse of a Pharisee? I don't know if it's the gospel stuff or if it's acts, but he basically talks to the Sanhedrin and is like, basically if this word that is being taught by this Jesus and his disciples is of God and it's going to be something. If it's not of God, it won't be something. Yeah. That's a very, I, I, I don't think, remember where that's at either, but that is, I was completely yeah. out of left field, but like, I think of that and I'm like, okay, that's something. I think that's where there's someone like that. Like I'm just taking that like group of people. That's someone who like someone like his, him or Nicodemus very much a, there's not, there's not the, um, combativeness or the eagerness to fight what is coming or to fight truth you yeah. know and I think the similarities that I've seen and why I've kind of stuck to this um, idea is that it's only the unforgivable sins only talked about here and the people that he's talking to are actively fighting against what he's teaching right, right? and trying to dissuade others from joining it right. slash kill them um and the only other place I can really think of that, like that intensity comes, man, my verses are awful today. Um, basically, like you're in hell, and it's the like you're holding your fists to the Lord, and like there's like the whipping and gnashing of teeth in spite of. It's not like a there. Even then, there's no repentance. You know, right. I think that's the imagery that we're trying to get across. Of like you are literally in eternal damnation in hell, whatever that ends up looking like, and you still do not repent. Right, which is a huge misconception. People people always act like people are going to be sorry. It's like, no, that they're not going to turn. They're going to continue to rebel even. I mean, for crying out loud, people here are like, you're, people say they're going through hell, and I'm like, and yet you still continue to, <laughs> you know, you're continuing down this path. It's, it's treating you terribly, and still you think it's the best idea. Uh, that's a side note. So, like a good uh, Bible scholar, halfway through the podcast, I finally pulled out the commentary here um, to because I, I had a thought, but I wanted to make sure that it was uh, that it was theologically sound before I <laughs> said it and put it out there for the world to hear. Uh, I've got I've got a D. A. Carson's uh, commentary on Matthew here, um, and he says uh, among the many other interpretations of this difficult incident, the best treats it in its setting during Jesus's life. The Pharisees have been attributing to Satan the work of the Spirit and have been doing so, as Jesus makes plain, in such a way as to reveal that they speak not out of ignorance or unbelief, but out of a conscious disputing of the indisputable. Hmm. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Um, and kind of what I was thinking, but he obviously, Carson says it better. The distinction between blasphemy against the Son of Man and blasphemy against the Spirit is not that the Son of Man is less important than the Spirit, or that the first sin is pre-baptismal, the second post-baptismal, so on and so forth. Instead, within the larger context, within the context of the larger argument, the first sin is rejection of the truth 
the rejection of the truth of the gospel, but there may be repentance and forgiveness for that. Whereas the second sin is rejection of that same truth in full awareness that what is that that is exactly what one is doing, thoughtfully, willy, willfully, and self-consciously rejecting the work of the Spirit, even though there can be no other explanation of Jesus' exorcisms than that. For such a sin, there is no forgiveness, either in this age or in the age to come, a dramatic way of saying never. So essentially, I mean, even, even in that context, if you, if you reject Jesus, you're, reje- you're rejecting the, the, the gospel. But, and there's, there's debate amongst uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism, it, it, how, how the, uh, the process of salvation works. And I would actually fall more on the Calvinist side, where it's that the Spirit works in you and softens your heart to the reception of the gospel. Now, again, how it all works, we're not going to go into that. But if that's, if that's the case, rejection of, rejection of Jesus is something, like, that's what we all do. That's why, we are, why Paul says in Romans that, uh, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, and that none of, none of us is without sin. That is essentially what it is. And that obviously can be forgiven. But the Spirit, if we reject the Spirit... It's not just the idea. Yeah. It's 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 more like he said. It's it's willingly the truth at that point. It's not just. It's not just I reject what I don't know to be the truth. It's mm-hmm. that I know it and then I reject it. Right. But Jesus again. He he never goes after the Pharisees to attack them. He goes after them to enlighten them to to open their eyes to the truth. And yes, are they are they attributing the spirit's power to satan yes but that's not that's not what the unforgivable sin is because again right. you can you can do that kind of stuff in ignorance yeah but that i mean quite honestly we we all probably do that if we ever see the spirit at work i'm sure there's all times where we're like that guy is nuts <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean how many times have you i mean i've i've visited churches before and you hear somebody say something and you're like okay so the options are he's drunk he's high uh or he's just in that you know mentally ins- insane right and it might, for all we know <laughs> it was it was a you know a, a gifting and outpouring of the spirit and we just flat out oops <laughs> yeah no, and I've heard a couple of people talk on this, and they've like, kind of like they've avoided the you know outright saying what you know, what the sin is, but some of the best stuff just on the topic of like people thinking like, oh no, have I committed the unforgivable sin? Like I'm of the mind that you're not going to accidentally do it, because I think even in the life of someone who is like, if we're going to go to the extent of saying that this is incumbent of something lifelong, not just like a pharisaical like i'm going to attack you and i attack your truth lord um if we're going to say this is you know a lifelong i've rejected the word i've rejected your truth um i never accepted you know i would still argue that that was a this might this might start falling into where we start to disagree uh (laughs) on like the other salvation topic but like this would be where i'm like you never you never accepted it for what it was like you never there was something in you that decided to think one way or live away in spite of what the truth was I, with, with people who are afraid of of having committed it though they're not af- they're afraid of something that 
does not exist essentially right like it, it, is, are there people out there who are f- afraid that they have committed the unforgivable sin and are not saved i'm yeah absolutely 100 percent. but it's not because they committed a sin and that's what they people who are asking that question are viewing it as i did i commit this one action they're not looking at the broad picture of am i rejecting the truth it, hypothetically if somebody commits that unforgivable sin and willingly rejects what they know is truth is this verse saying that they will not come to repentance maybe i don't know i'm not i'm not willing to stand here and say that they can't that um, that the like the pharisees could not have turned but also could or can and cannot or could but wouldn't are different different ideas and that's that's yeah, not for that's me also to decide the, right exactly that's the difference between us judging and or carrying out judgment on something in a situation and the lord carrying out judgment in on the situation like i think he man I'm, I'm so i'm so stuck on john isn't the i think the end of john 2 talks about that he didn't trust himself to others because he knew it was in the heart of man and so jesus himself is peering into the pharisees sees what they are at their core and what they are doing and is like this is what the unforgivable sin is you know right again because the whole point is he is reacting to them saying that he performs miracles by he he drives out demons by the power of satan yeah so i mean there's i mean you like you said you you get into like ideas of like once saved always saved in there then too because like I mean, we all know people that like grew up in the church and are no longer Christian people, mm-hmm. and like they they knew what the truth was, but but then you have to ask the question too of did they did they right. did they know the truth or were they yep. there because their parents made them go like there's there's so many questions to ask there and I think that we 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 treat this subject as so so taboo and so like so so monumental when it's i don't it's not meant to be you know there's there's very few Hmm. things that you can find one place in the bible that are monumental yeah so if if we're gonna build so much theology off of these two sentences that jesus said and quite honestly are almost always taken out of context to have this discussion like it's that's that's not the point to be made and the, the the point is not for us to judge who has committed it who is committing it per se, like our, our, our responsibility is to love on those people and to try to show them the truth and try to enlighten them to what is the truth. And you know, if, if that's not going to work, then it doesn't work, but that's, that's not ours to decide. That's not ours to hypothetically judge on the future. I mean, we we're, we're we're turning we're turning a a truth for sure like we shouldn't just throw it out but we're yeah. treating a truth as though it is a central theological point Jesus was making it's a mm. point Jesus made that's why it's in the book of Matthew but it's not something that we are ought to be just hanging on and acting as though this is something that we all need to understand exactly and that we all might have committed it uh no it and like the gospel doesn't make you worry the gospel encourages you the gospel gives you tools the gospel empowers you you know that's what the gospel does that's what truth does it doesn't 
make you wonder. It doesn't confuse you more. Yeah, there are confusing things. There are things that we can learn from and grow from, but pertaining to your faith and your soul, I've, I feel like I know the Lord just from, you know, <laughs> reading through the Bible, you know, yeah. on my own as you know, definitely not a scholar over here, but like, I feel like the big things that Jesus wants us to take away, those are known, you know? Yeah. Like, when well, it said the- one, when it said one time, that's where I'm stuck on, like, this was a very much a, for specific people at a specific time type of moment, you know, of, like, this is where, like, he is pointing out a flaw right now. Again, again of course, we can, like, you know, learn from it now. But, like, he is, like, correct, he is doing corrective action at that moment, which is, like, a reason why I don't think we see it anywhere else i i again I, like I, I think it is something to it's 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 just like everything else in the bible like should we do our best to understand it and everything yes should we put in the effort to to figure stuff out yes yeah. but like you said the gospel is never meant to scare all of the eschatology is not meant to scare if we read eschatology and we're afraid then we're understanding it wrong you know, that mm-hmm. it's 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 all good news and so if we're if we're sitting here worried that we committed a sin, we are missing the entire point of the gospel. We are missing the entire point of Jesus. We are missing the entire point of the entire Bible. The entire Bible is pointing us to Jesus, the first and second coming. And that first coming points us to the second coming. And there's a complete restoration, forgiveness, all that stuff. All that stuff's out the window. If you are concerned that you committed a sin, that cannot be forgiven. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Not biblical there is no sin that cannot be forgiven right but there are sins that won't be forgiven right or crying out loud there's gonna be a lot of stupid sins that won't be forgiven yeah it'll just go to show how stupid humanity is you know how we all were it's not like anyone did one thing more than anyone else just some of us decided to let the lord help and cover it yeah <laughs> you know exactly that's honestly the difference that's literally the difference we all did the same dumb stuff but one of us let the lord you know do his thing and the other half didn't well hopefully we did that topic uh some sort of justice it's a yeah. it's a it's a heavy topic but it's not a central topic i mean what's right. what's what do they say the uh the 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 main stuff is the plain stuff, and the plain stuff is the main stuff. Yeah, I don't know who said that. I've I've heard it a lot of times. So I have no I idea that become more popular lately. I've heard it a couple times from like people. I don't know who like originally said it though. Probably Augustine. That sounds very Augustine like. <laughs> very Augustine like. <laughs> I bet it's Veggie Tales. Ah, there it is. There that, it is. Theological truths of Veggie Tales. Was that even yep. from this episode? <laughs> or was no. that the last one? <laughs> that was the last one. <laughs> VeggieTales made two cameos. Wow. We need to do a VeggieTales episode. Yeah, we should, actually. Where is his hairbrush? <laughs> so some think that he left it in the garage. Some people think that it was just an impromptu and he actually left it at his hairdresser and, you know, backstage. Anyway. But, but the, whole, the, whole, the whole point in the end is that as the peach comes in and says... He has no hair, so it doesn't matter anyway. So essentially, the hairbrush is kind of like the unforgivable sin. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Just to, just to dumb it down. That's what we're here for. <laughs> like it. 
All right. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Continue to send in your questions. We, we love, uh, love getting more of those. Love, love uh, discussing the hard ones. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks. Say aw. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Dummies with Wisdom. To give us comments, ask questions, or submit pictures of other dummies you find in the wild, email us at dummieswithwisdom at outlook.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dummieswithwisdom. 